there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. This is the show that pits facts against fossils. Today on the show, welcome to Jurassic Park. Scientists are closer than ever before to resurrecting animals that have gone extinct. And some are getting big bucks to do it. Just this year, we learned that investors threw $15 million at researchers who were trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. And if we're getting closer to the woolly mammoth, could we push things even further? and bring back T-Rex. Jack Horner has been waiting for something like this his whole life. When did your love affair with dinosaurs begin? I I was born this way. (laughs) I found my first dinosaur bone when I was eight, and I found my first dinosaur skeleton when I was 13. So I've never thought about doing anything else. Jack grew up in Montana, where dino bones kind of come out of the ground like daisies. And at nights, he would dream about having a pet dinosaur to play with. Foresight. What kid in this world doesn't want to have a pet dinosaur? (laughs) And once he realized that there was this job where you would dig around looking for dinosaur bones and get paid for it, he knew that's what he wanted to do. But he never thought he'd actually get there. You know, I went through school with dyslexia and flunked everything, and so... You know, I thought my chances of becoming a paleontologist were pretty close to zero. But he made it, and he's now a professor of paleontology at Chapman University in California. And not only that, but he kind of became the face of paleontology. Jack was the inspiration for Alan Grant, you know, Sam Neill's cranky character in the Jurassic Park movies. Jack even consulted on the script. But the thing is... When Jack imagines a world with velociraptors or T-Rexes, he's not thinking about the giant lizards in the film. My ideas of dinosaurs are way different than, you know, Steven Spielberg and the the Jurassic Park dinosaurs, even though I work on it, right? You know, they're just so different than most people think of them. So when Jack thinks of velociraptors, he thinks of birds— because we know that some dinosaurs evolved to become birds. So Jack imagines something fluffy. They're feathered, completely feathered. And they don't learn how to open doors and stalk humans into walk-in freezers. Instead, they dance. Picture a super feathered-up male velociraptor prancing around to impress a lady raptor. Bounces up and down really fast and and has this drumming sound coming out of him that sounds like a, a really rapid drum. In fact, Jack's Jurassic Park is full of color and life. Like, take the Triceratops. She's going to have this big, bright yellow shield and horns and red kind of comb-like structures around the edge of its frill and vividly colored. I mean, just, just beautiful. Mm. 
did you tell Steven Spielberg that? And was he like, nah? Yes, I did. And he said, I don't, I don't think colorful feather dinosaurs would be scary enough. <laughs> wow. He could have changed a generation of minds. He could have. Today on the show, could we resurrect these flashy feathered dinosaurs? Using fancy new genetic engineering techniques like CRISPR, could we bring them back to life? If you ask around to scientists, they'll tell you that to even start thinking about bringing back the dinosaurs, we need one key thing, their DNA. So, do we have any of that? Dino DNA. Well, the big problem here is that our old pal T-Rex died out some 66 million years ago. And for a long time, scientists thought that all we had left of her were basically a bunch of dried-up old fossils. No DNA. But back in the 1990s, something happened that changed all this. It got a ton of attention, headlines all over the US. One even screamed, quote, Jurassic Park plot could become real life. And Jack was right in the middle of all this. Hello again. Well, howdy. He said it started when he was working at the Museum of the Rockies in Montana. It's around where he grew up that area known for dinosaur bones. And someone had stumbled across a fossilized arm nearby, and she showed it to Jack. She said, do you know what this is? And I looked at it and I said, yeah, I know what that is. I said, that is the only Tyrannosaurus rex arm in the world. (laughs) That was the first one ever found. (laughs) And I was like, where'd you get that? She told him, and he sent a couple of teams to find the rest of the skeleton which they did. Most of it was still there. So we were just super excited. After the fossils were all dug up and brought to the museum lab, they had to be cleaned carefully. And that's when a volunteer at the museum, Mary Schweitzer, realized something odd. I noticed this dinosaur smelled funny. It smelled funny. It was a very, very sweet odor of decay. I kept that to myself for about six months, but every time I worked on the dinosaur, I could smell it. This was rather curious. Fossils aren't dinosaur bones. They're made of minerals that have replaced dino bones over millions and millions of years. So they're basically rocks. And rocks shouldn't smell like that. Now, at the time, Mary was really getting into paleontology. She thought she might make a career out of it, which she eventually did. She's now a professor at North Carolina State University. But back then, she wanted to practice her skills. So Mary took a little bit off that smelly fossil. She slid it under a microscope. And that is when she saw it. Something super, super weird. There were these little round red things. Little round red bodies. They looked like red blood cells. But could that be possible? That a few blood cells could have survived some 66 million years inside this fossil? Mary kept thinking about what these things could be. And so finally, I screwed up my courage and I said, I made an appointment with Jack. And He kept me waiting about an hour. (laughs) And then I set up a slide under the microscope and he looked at it and he looked at it and he looked at it and he didn't really 
come up for air and he started getting that brow furrow that's very scary <laughs> when you're an insecure student. I, I agree that it, it, they, that's what they look like. They look like blood cells. I, I didn't think they could be. He looked up at me and he said, so what do you think they are? So I immediately rattled off all my, you know, they can't be blood cells because everybody knows blood cells can't persist for this long. So he said, Mary, prove to me they're not blood cells. The team got a grant from the U.S. government to find out what the devil those little red round things were. And because they figured it might be blood, Jack thought that perhaps it could have T-Rex DNA in it. DNA. The thing we need to resurrect the dinosaurs. And just this scrap of hope fired off the media. They got a hold of the story and unleashed their Jurassic Park headlines. And at the time, Jack, was pretty hopeful. Well, we thought we might find DNA. I mean, Mary and I thought, we, we both thought that it was a, a chance that there would be tiny bits of, of DNA that, that were viable. So Mary ran more tests on these fossils. And at the end, what she did find was heme. It's a protein that's found in blood cells. The team wrote in their paper that most likely this came from dinosaur blood. But in the end, They couldn't find any actual blood and no DNA either. But unfortunately, no. But even though this was pretty disappointing, just the fact that this stuff in blood might survive millions and millions of years, it was important. It was part of this new wave of dino discoveries that upended what a lot of paleontologists thought could be preserved. And since then, we've realised that dinosaurs have left behind way more than bone-shaped rocks. Scientists say they've found T-Rex blood vessels and feathers. And just last year, researchers reported what could be the closest thing we've ever found to dino DNA. It was in this incredibly well-preserved cartilage from a duck-billed dinosaur. A slice of it reacted to chemicals in this very particular way that suggested, perhaps... Maybe teeny remnants of DNA might still be around. But even if further research backs up this claim, Jack is sceptical we'll ever get enough genetic information to make a full-grown dinosaur. And Mary does not think we're rebuilding a dino anytime soon. We don't have any verifiable dinosaur DNA from anybody, from any lab, anywhere. We don't have DNA. We have no way of getting DNA. DNA just doesn't last that long. By the way, in Jurassic Park, they got around this because they found a mosquito trapped in amber with fresh dinosaur blood inside. But the truth is, amber can't stop DNA from degrading after millions and millions of years. It's actually porous, which means stuff inside isn't that well protected. So, with no dino DNA, No dino. Still, though, there's one prehistoric animal that people say we are way closer to bringing back. The woolly mammoth. Yeah, there's headlines screaming that we could get this little beastie running around within a decade. But is that true? To find out, you've got to listen to our full episode on Jurassic Park. So just head over to our main feed, Science Versus, that's Science V.S., 
and click on Jurassic Park. You'll also learn about the quest for a Chickenosaurus. Trust me, it's real great. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. I'll fact you next time. 